Welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Bratchard. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth. Hello and welcome back to the Family Beacon Podcast. My name is Grace Evans. I'm here with Moses Bratchard. Today we have a lot of things to get through, a lot of things to update you guys on. As a reminder, we get you the facts every single Friday. We give you the facts so that you can stand for truth. We research the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom so that you can understand what's going on, not have to sift through the news cycle on your own because every week there's just so much and it's like, what do you even pay attention to? What shouldn't you pay attention to? And that's what Moses and I do. We take it upon ourselves to sift through everything, to sift through the noise, and then bring you the facts because that's what you deserve. Here's what we'll be talking about today. We'll be talking about the election results from the Minnesota primary. Um, Very exciting, interesting to talk about. We also have a huge religious freedom win here in Minnesota that I'm so excited to tell you guys about. And also, we're going to be talking about some comments that our attorney general made on comprehensive sex ed. Um, Hint, spoiler alert, he's a big fan. And then (laughs) Moses is also going to brief us on what comprehensive sex ed is um, and just policy-wise what MFC supports and what we don't support. All right, let's go ahead and dive into this episode of the Family Beacon podcast. Moses, tell us what went down at the primary yesterday as we're recording, as we're speaking. It went down like a few days ago by the time you guys are listening to this because we are recording on August 10th. That's right. So yeah, the primary on Tuesday, August 9th. Very interesting to see those results. So Mm -hmm. a couple of the biggest ones. What we expected to see uh, that Scott Jensen won the um, gubernatorial uh, primary for the Republicans, uh, that the endorsed candidate um, Jim Schultz won the uh, primary for Attorney General, uh, beating Doug Wardlow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the only actual contested primary. Uh, well, no, that's not true. <laughs> there were other people. There's always other people running, right? But um, they don't generally, like, uh, if I haven't heard of them by election day, then generally I think that they're not, they don't stand a chance. That's, and usually, that's true. usually true. That's usually true. Uh, so so that was interesting. Then in Minneapolis, in the 5th District, we had kind of an interesting uh, situation. Ilhan Omar, a congresswoman from Minnesota's 5th District, she actually triumphed very narrowly. I know. I was so happy to see that, you guys. Yeah, yeah. So her opponent, a guy named Don Samuels, and he's a, a longtime community activist, activist Democrat. Mm-hmm. But his thing is that he's just more pro police than Ilhan Omar. That's pretty much one of the... That's why he decided to run, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and and so he's pro-police. He's pro-police building relationships on the north side of Minneapolis and other places uh, so that they can do the jobs better. So he and Ilhan Omar found themselves on opposite sides of the debate last fall over whether Minneapolis should scrap its police department. Mm -hmm. So uh, he, he got almost half the vote, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, insane. Yeah. Can I read you a quote that he said yeah. about it? This is National Review reporting. Um, the, the candidate, Samuel, said, uh, my only hope is that my opponent will have learned a lesson from this. You cannot give poor constituent service. Put your own dreams above the visions and dreams and desires of your community. Hold scant and scarce town hall meetings. Not be able to press that, not be able to press that serves your community and get reelected easily. True. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I think that sums it up. So we'll see 
It's a solid Democratic district, so the Republican candidate, um, Cicely Davis is her name. Uh, she's going to have an uphill battle uh, in November for sure. Other, another uh, in CD1, which is the southern uh, part of Minnesota, and we sent out an email to our constituents about this. Uh, that, this was not a primary. This was a special election, um, which w came about because of the death of Representative Jim Hagedorn in office. So this is a special election to fill the seat from basically now until January, and then there'll be another election in November with the same two candidates, um, Brad Finstad, Republican, and Jeff Edinger, Democrat. And in this case, um, Brad Finstad won by about four points. So uh, we still have a uh, Republican congressman for that, uh, for that district. So it's interesting, if you live in the southernmost part of the state, uh, talking about anywhere from uh, just the bottom tier of the state, but also up into um, Rochester, up to the Rochester area. Um, just be, be aware that this was a, probably a bit of a closer race than people were expecting mm -hmm. it to be. So uh, be aware of that. Be aware of political trends in your area. Uh, and as far as other races, you can find the results online, uh, especially pay attention to who has been nominated by the different parties mm -hmm. and who's now won the primaries. Um, so these people will be on your ballot in November for your, your state, your local state offices, your state senator and your state representative. That's right. Those people are so much more important than you probably think they are. Um, and and they have a they play a big role in St. Paul. They play a big role in uh, in how in how our lives are going to go because uh, the state government is, as I say, a lot more powerful than people give it credit co mm -hmm. credit for. Now. Um, speaking of, so we saw some wins this week uh, mm -hmm. in the elections, but we saw we also saw a religious freedom win mm -hmm. uh, for a Minnesota pharmacist. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So first of all, Moses, I just have to say I really appreciate that you love keeping up with all the election stuff, and like I do too. I know who I want to vote for. Mm -hmm. I care who wins, but you're really nerdy with it in a good way. And I think that's really good. I like having a podcast co-host that's really into that sort of thing and like really good at tracking it, really good at predicting things. So appreciate that because honestly. I'm like, eh, elections, whatever. I mean, they matter. I think they matter so much. But I'm like, eh, it's just the primaries, like the results. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm mm -hmm. glad that you care and I'm glad that you have this enthusiasm and that you keep up with this so in depth. Because I was like, okay, these people won. But I didn't know like how tight the races were and things. Sure. Um, also, you have a great tie on. Look, I'm complimenting wow. you so much. Man, this is, I, I'm, I'm blushing, I think. This is one of my favorite ties. It was given to me by my friend, Zach. Aw, um, Zach. Shout out I to think Zach. I'm actually hoping that I'm going to, I got to see him in June, which was great. I had not seen him before that since 2018. Um, but I hope that I'm also going to be able to, like, maybe Ooh. do a road trip with him in October because I think we're both going to be groomsmen in a wedding Heck of yeah. our old, uh, our both of us what color or what kind of flowers are those oh those? yes so are you blushing that color <laughs> no no okay, I, okay so this is this is a liberty tie folks Aww. and i just want to say to all our male listeners check Dr out ties from mm -hmm. liberty of london they have some of the are they affordable coolest, Moses? um well this one is because it's mm. liberty of london for target but um, <laughs> it's very classy oh thank you thank mm -hmm. you um mm -hmm. yeah check out liberty of london i think they have i just i really respect a man who can wear a sick floral pattern and just Me pull that off too. or guys so that's that can, what i try to do or guys that wear, can wear pink dress shirts and still look good wearing it like you have a striped one that's like white and pink, i do like that and that one, one looks good yeah. some guys it's like it's a no-go it just doesn't look good on them you know and you're I, like, oh. I honestly think it's easier with dark hair um but that anyway. is true because <laughs> otherwise not on topic <laughs> i just wanted to keep the chill vibes keep the positive vibes you know everyone needs a little bit of laughter Grace, i want to hear about this religious okay, win in honestly, minnesota i bet our audience does too so this is a case um 
that was taken up recently. Um, this this incident occurred, however, in January 2019. And here's what went down. Basically, there was a woman whose um, birth control failed. And so she went to a pharmacy. She went to Thrifty White. I don't even know what that is, but apparently it's, it's a like, pharmacy chain. And uh, it has branches. In apparently Minnesota. it is, but I've never heard of it. I don't know. Yeah. Probably like a CVS, I'm guessing. So anyways, she goes to this Thrifty White to get a prescription for Ella, which is it's a name. It's like the name of a morning after contraceptive that basically would create an early abortion. And if you have questions about Plan B or um, like the morning after pill, maybe we can even do a full podcast episode, maybe mm-hmm. an unwoke video on it, um, showing and explaining why actually it would be an early abortion. Um, because it does. It actually prevents a fertilized egg from implanting in the uterine lining, which it's the life has already been created so it's an abortion but we could do a full video on that if you guys have questions so anyways she went to thrifty white to get her prescription filled and the pharmacist that was there was a christian actually and so he um said that he didn't feel comfortable fulfilling that um, subscription or prescription sorry prescription and she and said that she should um go elsewhere to try to seek that service because he's a christian it goes against his religious beliefs Mm -hmm. so this case was taken off because he got sued (laughs) by this woman um because she said it was like a medical emergency blah 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 and he said it was his freedom of religion that was being trampled upon so this was taken up and so when i heard this was being taken up i was like oof this does not bode well for the christian pharmacist right because we all know the cake baker story right like we just uh, but then I also thought of our friends Carl and Angel Larson, who spoke at Lead, which they won a huge religious freedom case, which yep. we could talk about another time. Um, so, I mean, I guess there was precedent for wins here in Minnesota, but still, I was like, mm, this doesn't look good. Anyways, his um, testimony was this week and everything the trial was this week. And this is a quote from the pharmacist. He said, this is what how he testified. He said, it's my belief, based on lots of reading and thinking, that this fertilized egg is a new life. If I do anything to prevent that egg from implanting in the uterus, the new life will cease to exist. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I love God. I try to live the way he would want me to live. That includes respecting every human being. Bam. Boom. I know, right? Yeah. That's just dynamite. I love it because he talks about the science, but then he also talks about his faith. And it's not, they're not on opposite ends. Like they're not these two opposite ends of a battery that are like trying, you know, like they are, they go together. And kind of like your talk for lead about Christianity and politics and how that needs to impact your worldview. So, Mm -hmm. um, then this is the woman she testified um this is her statement part of her statement she said like anywhere there are challenges to living in a rural area okay i guess it was rural so that's why i haven't heard of this pharmacy yeah this um, is way up north northern Minnesota. and her attorneys of course were at um gender justice our friends no not our friends yeah look, <sighs> look up gender justice it's oh actually boy. kind of kind of scary <laughs> is, this this yeah. group and the amount of influence that they have really a lot of behind the scenes but they were also um, partly uh, behind this recent abortion case, which mm-hmm. saw many of Minnesota's pro-life laws struck down. Uh, so they they are up to no good, I'm sad to say. Yep, uh, that's exactly right. Anyways, she continues, she says, I never expected that these challenges would include the personal beliefs of our local pharmacists or that they would hold and wield such enormous decision-making power over my life. I can only hope that by coming forward and pursuing justice that others don't have to jump the ridiculous hurdles I did. Which I just, the reason I laughed, I was trying not to, but like, it's just, it's really as ridiculous that it's 2022, Moses, it's 2022, and we're still having people come forward and say that 
they're on the side of abortion and they're also on the side of justice. It's like, let me have the right to kill my baby or to have my baby killed. I'm on the side of justice. Mm -hmm. Like, it's 2022. We have so much advanced medical technology. We know that baby is a human being. We know exactly what abortion is. So the euphemisms, love that. The perversion of words, totally 1984, right? She's she's doing this thing where she's claiming, like, the, the whole way that this is phrased was probably written by our attorneys. And um, mm-hmm. it it was like it, it's all about rights, you know. It's like this. And she pharmacist, had to drive to like two different pharmacies to find her abortion pill. Oh, my heart bleeds. The atrocity. It, it's just yeah. It's like a medical emergency. It's just like what? <laughs> the idea that pharmacists can have their personal beliefs, but mm-hmm. if you bring that into your job, if you bring that into the workplace, if you bring only that if into it's a Christian voting, belief though. Yeah, if you bring <laughs> if you bring that into the workplace at all, verboten. That's bad. You're going to mm-hmm. be slapped down. But that's not how it turned out. No. So this was a very high stakes case, as you yeah. can imagine, for all of Minnesota, honestly, for our country. Like, National Review is reporting on this. Um, this is picked up by a lot of major news outlets. And I, I saw the headline and I was like, Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota pharmacist. Wow. Um, so it got a lot of attention for its medical implications. Also for, like, the latitude healthcare workers have with transgender treatments. It yep. also would apply to that. Um, so everyone is following this pretty closely. And thankfully, the pharmacist won. So yeah. praise the Lord for that. Yeah, the basic, the basic, um, and you know, the, the unfortunate thing, Grace, as you and I mm-hmm. discussed as well, is that this guy won. And that's partly, I have to think that it's because of the Masterpiece case and it's because of the Telescope Media case. The Supreme mm-hmm. Court has made it very clear and, and lower courts that religious freedom is very important. Yeah. Even you know, even in this day and age, we've seen some great rulings on religious freedom. And you have to meet a very high standard to, uh, to, to trump religious freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we saw this pharmacist won the case, but mm-hmm. I was really disappointed to see that the judge also ordered him to pay $25,000. Mm-hmm. Now, he won the case, guys, but he's ordered to pay $25,000 in restitution, uh, to, for, in restitution <laughs> for, I think, quote, unquote, emotional harm. I know. I thought, I thought that was so dumb. I was Which like, are I, you honestly, kidding me? Emotional harm? So I feel like the judge felt like his hands were tied, that he could Probably. not rule against the pharmacist because of the clear precedent but that he had to like get that little jab in there and twenty five thousand dollars isn't chump change so i i honestly hope that there's a way for uh for that to be vacated and for that to go away another story though moses that i want to tell you and our audience about is the comments that attorney general uh keith ellison made Mm -hmm. on comprehensive sex ed and the statement he released and what he signed on to with 16 other attorney generals so there's a new law in florida we've all been tracking what's going on in florida like first there was the so-called don't say gay bill which we covered on this podcast yes um but the new law went into effect on july 1st and it prohibits classroom instruction on sexuality and gender ideology from kindergarten through third grade so that's very common sense in my opinion i Mm -hmm. think most parents would support that right like okay kindergarten through third grade these kids don't need to be taught in school about sexuality and gender ideology common sense right third grade i mean isn't third grade like how old is that nine it's young. It's really it's really young. <laughs> like my sister is in fifth grade and she's 11. Yeah, so I must be like about nine. Yeah. So that's young. Um, common sense, right? Well, Minnesota Attorney General Ellison took it upon himself to publicly comment on this law, 
stating that um, preventing teacher discussions of gender ideology and sexuality towards young children is extreme and discriminatory towards LGBTQ plus students. Excuse me, LGBTQ plus IA, rainbow, 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 black circle dot, white circle dot, blah, 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 triangle. Like, <laughs> what, it's so how, impossible to I, take I, it seriously. So when I see like flags and I'm driving through Minnesota, some of them don't have the like the new circle, the white circle or the black circle. I honestly forget how many there are now. It's like just the rainbow flag and I'm like, <gasps> discrimination <gasps> they're I, not including when, whenever, everyone whenever someone asks me like are you lgbtq plus i say yeah <laughs> yeah i'm i'm a double black diamond uh so only very advanced skiers um <laughs> what not dragging <laughs> you know how like ski ski oh, oh. <laughs> you're so funny okay wow but there's more it does yes, not stop here it oh no stop there. oh no ellison also took it upon himself with 16 other attorney generals from around the U.S. to file a joint amicus brief (laughs) challenging the parental rights and education law, which parental rights and education law, oh my gosh. And it's been labeled as the don't say gay bill, right? Mm -hmm. So this amicus brief filed by him and the other attorney generals um, basically claims that this law is harmful and unconstitutional, right? Unconstitutional. It's just really hard to take it seriously. It it really is. So here's part of um, our attorney general statement. And this is why I'm telling you, elections matter, you guys. I kind of went on a little rant on Instagram yesterday, on my personal Instagram, Mm. of like, um, I'm super blessed to be able to vote. Like, the people that have literally died so that I could use my voice, so that I could live in this comfort. And, like, the least I can do is use my voice, my vote, to build a better America. So I'm sorry. Are you saying that you killed people so that you could vote? No. What I'm saying is other people have died so that I could use my vote. But who killed them? What? I don't understand why. I'm talking about the army. (laughs) Oh, okay. See, this is unclear. Moses is so tired. We need to give you some coffee. For a moment, I really was thinking that Grace was, like, actually killing people, like, on her way to vote. You actually thought that. Maybe with her car. Say that with a straight face. You actually thought that? (laughs) No. That's what I thought. Okay. I'm using my rises of humor that God gave me. You're ruining this beautiful point that I'm making. Okay. Excuse me. People have shed their blood so that we could live in this country. And freedom just doesn't continue if we just sit on our butts and do nothing. What you're saying is that freedom isn't free. Yes. Freedom isn't free. And so, and we have to continue to build a better future, to build a better tomorrow. Using our vote is one way to do that. Right? Okay. I had a, I had a point with that. But, oh, that's what I was saying. I was saying, and so the attorney general is one of the positions that's open up, opening up. So we got to vote for the right people, right? Yes. And we don't want Ellison because this is one of his statements. He said, essential to being able to live with dignity, safety, and respect is being able to say loud and clear who you are as a human being to speak your truth, which that sounds so like Kantian. You know? Wow, we're nerds. Anyways, yeah. um, he says, but under this law, Florida kids can't speak their truth. Their truth. Note, their parents can't speak their truth. Teachers can't speak their truth. Which, this doesn't make sense because it's like, it says that their parents can't speak their truth. Literally, this is called the parental rights and education law. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about parents not being able to talk to their kids. It only says that in kindergarten through third grade, teachers can't be instructing kids in the classroom on this right and it's not saying the kids can't talk about this it's literally preventing teachers from indoctrinating children right and also i this emphasis on like their truth it's like well there's only one truth there's objective truth but in the modern era that's become prevalent right it's like your truth your dreams um yeah that's i do have my dreams that are in my head as do i there's one we have very different (laughs) (laughs) yeah but there is objective truth 
Yes, yes. So um, this is his continued statement. He says, as a result, outcomes for students are worse. What? How? They can still learn about this if their parents want them to, right? Exactly. Literally, like, yeah. it's just like, they're not allowed to be indoctrinated by the state, edu- state, um, by the state, right? Yes. And then he says, teachers can't teach the reality of our society. Are you kidding me? The reality? Like, th- you, you're saying that because teachers can't teach kids kindergarten through third grade that if they're a girl they can be a boy they might be a boy in fact right that is reality Hmm. okay and then it says he says lgbtq kids and their families live in a climate of intimidation and fear and everyone is harmed as attorney general and as a human being as a human being as if this is like a war on human rights that's what he's making it out to be of course he says i can't sit by and watch that happen without trying to put a stop to it so this is after note that he was like um it wouldn't be right for me to intervene with these abortion laws these abortion restriction laws that have been struck down he was like oh just like it's not right for me to intervene not my place and this was in minnesota and now this thing is freaking in yeah. florida and yeah. he's like oh let me insert my unwanted toe into this corner of the right. united states and let me put my foot down and it's yeah. just like well <laughs> not that this is going to do anything don't you fret you guys this that's brief. right literally yeah. does not matter imagine but- imagine keith ellison in the cage fight with ron DeSantis. I don't think Keith Ellison would triumph. This is 100% virtue signaling, but it just goes to show, again, use your freaking vote, please, because we do not want Ellison again. He's the terrible attorney general. We need an attorney general who will uphold life, who will Mm -hmm. uphold religious freedom, who will uphold the family, and Keith Ellison does not do any of those things. It's sad to to say it, but it's true. Oh, there's facts right from Moses. Okay, Moses, so we talked a little bit about this these concerns about this ideology that's being pushed on children. We've talked about it before. Something that we've heard a lot recently too, and probably our listeners have heard about, is CSE or contra- Comprehensive Sex Education. Yeah. Now, we sent out an action alert about this probably about two years ago now, a year and a half ago, um, which our constituents were able to get involved in. But can you just first, can you explain what it is in simple terms, like a brief summary, and then why is why exactly it is so dangerous? Yeah, yeah. The truth, the the truth of it is that it's all in the name. It's comprehensive, and mm. the idea is that from a very young age, we need to be teaching kids. And I'm going to try to discuss this at a PG level, okay, just so mm-hmm. that everyone knows that, because um, there's some really shocking stuff, and I'm not going to go into the dirty details because this is a family friendly podcast. The, so the fact is that there are the, I, the there are people who say, you know, Grace, when public school educators teach kids about sex and gender, starting at starting in kindergarten, I've seen I've seen the kindergarten mm-hmm. curriculum uh, for at least one uh, one form of comprehensive sex education, and it's actually publicly available. Mm-hmm. Anyone can look at it. Um, I'm going to have to remember the name of it. If I do, I will I'll link it in the description. I think we've linked it before, so I can go back. We, we may have. We may have done. So, um, and this is, that one was being used in Minnesota schools, which is how I ran into it. So from kindergarten and, and, uh, and on, students need to learn about concepts that we generally think of as being for either adults or much, much older students. And those concepts include sexual orientation, gender identity, and the idea of consent. Well, yes. um, uh, Yes. So Mm -hmm. what I've specifically seen in Mm. curricula for really young kids is not birth control, not uh, like nuts and bolts discussion of that, 
but dis- certainly discussion of consent and certainly discussion of sexual orientation and gender mm-hmm. identity. And the idea, honestly, the idea seems to be that the younger kids are exposed to this, the more comfortable they're going to be with it, which yeah. some people see as a good thing, and I do not which, see as a good thing. Have you read Brave New World? Yes, I have. Doesn't it kind of make you think of that? Absolutely. Like in that book, okay, I've read it a long time ago and I'm rereading it right now, which is why I thought of it. I'm like halfway mm. through. But I don't really fully remember the details of the second half. But anyways, it talks about like how the kids from a very young age, from like basically infancy, are encouraged to like participate in sexual be- behavior. Yeah. Like it's seen as a good thing because kind of that world, it's a dystopia, even though it sounds like it would be good. Um, the idea is that the best thing in the world is happiness and so they forsake like everything else like they forsake a meaningful life for happiness so they'd rather have a meaningless life that's happy rather than a meaningful life that has pockets of happiness and unhappiness and so like the primary good in the world is happiness so they're like oh like sexual activity for kids great like they're they're taught to do that they're taught to play not on a playground as kids right and so honestly it's very reminiscent of that to me which is scary because that's yeah. written as a warning in in that book sex is used as a tool of control mm-hmm. which is also something to be wary of including for kids but also for adults and that's certainly taking place in our culture yeah um yeah so so that's comprehensive sex ed in a nutshell this obviously we could go into a lot more detail mm-hmm. but the danger of that is that um well one of the big dangers is that is who is providing this education can we trust True. them True. the biggest provider of comprehensive sex education Planned in parenthood. minnesota is planned parenthood and in Ugh. the country and that's uh, they they write the curriculum and planned parenthood employees are sometimes um and volunteers are sometimes the people in the district actually delivering this um, this training. So mm-hmm. it's not even teachers sometimes. It's Mm-mm. it's not even qualified teachers. And so that's really worrisome. But it, it, it does come down to uh, the idea that um, of who has the authority right. over, uh, over a child's education. I'm going to get to that in a second. But I do also want to talk about the alternatives to comprehensive mm-hmm. sex ed. So the biggest alternative that I think a lot of our listeners are going to be sympathetic to is the idea that um, sex education does not necessarily belong in public schooling. Like this is a really private and sensitive mm-hmm. area for ver- for that uh, on which families have various differing beliefs on. So why don't we allow parents to decide whether they want to send their kids to a optional sex education class or choose to do that in the home and they uh, they can find out the goals of these different of different uh, curricula and decide whether their kids are going to be subjected to that rather than ultimately the teachers and the school board getting to decide who's exposed to this curriculum. So there are alternative there are and and even if you even if you if I grant you the point that this should be taught in public schools there are a couple different um, there are a couple different alternatives. So first of all there's abstinence only sex education Mm -hmm. and if you're going to do it in public schools um, if you're going to teach this in public schools, I think this has to be something you consider because the idea is that um, that kids should not be engaging in this type of behavior and then that should be enforced through curriculum. Um, now, that seems to be uh, um, very unfashionable to talk about right now. So something that is a little bit more acceptable to talk about is sexual risk avoidance education. And there's various forms of this, and I think it can't be all that great because I see uh, people that I disagree with on <laughs> everything saying how good it is. Oh boy, yeah. But to be fair, at least what the idea is that 
if kids need to know anything about this, they need to know the risks associated with sexual activity. And I did see uh, on one uh, website um, uh, detailing this that, that one of the goals is for kids to delay or avoid sexual, um, sexual behavior before they're ready. And that's very important before they're adults, I hope. Um, and so, so there, are, there are options. So if you are thinking, what is my school board teaching? May, you can suggest to them better options that are not like, mm-hmm. you know, that are not like super religious or something that are suitable for the public school, but which are not talking to kindergartners about yeah. gender identity. And also allow the opt-out too. I think that's really important. The parental opt-out is incredibly mm-hmm. crucial. And in, in fact... Because you're literally paying for that with your tax money, so... Well, yeah, and what what I would prefer to see is an opt-in. So, like, mm-hmm. it won't happen mm-hmm. unless parents opt their kids like in that. to... Uh, to and that's kind of what I was trying to get at earlier. Um, so, I, I, what I, one yeah. thing that's interesting, though, Grace, I think is just... What is the role of the school here? That's kind of what I was going to ask you because I think our audience really needs to understand that because it comes down to, well, why should parents ultimately be in charge of this topic, right, being discussed? Right. And so, like, so I I saw this this interesting article today. Mm -hmm. It's not about comprehensive sex ed per se. It's really about the role of parents and the role of schools. So what this article is really talking about is – what is the role of schools? Mm-hmm. So parents have this fundamental authority to direct their children's education. So what, what, where does that leave schools? Um, schools form students both socially and ac- academically. Uh, schools are, this is, the, this is the, what the term the researcher uses, schools are a value-driven institution laden with norms that are passed on to students, either explicitly or implicitly. So... That's why it's so important that schools respect parental rights, respect boundaries, because how whatever they do, they will be influencing students in huge ways. Mm-hmm. Schools not only impart skills, they also impart an image of ideal students, their characteristics and their behaviors. So what does it tell students? What does it tell a 14-year-old when they, they enter high school and every door has a rainbow flag on it? That right. kind of thing. Right, that's that, right. Mm-hmm. That becomes normative I mean, for them. that's a great point. <laughs> uh, that becomes normative for them because that's what they see. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing that I thought was really interesting here was this idea of abiders. So that's people who abide, just mm. to be clear. And um, abiders are people who orient their lives around God so deeply that religion alters how they see themselves and how they behave. So uh, this book, uh, about the, the article is about a book, um, is following Christian abiders for whom God suffuses every aspect of their lives. So the examples that this researcher gives is a 14-year-old girl in Washington, D.C., who's African-American, and also a white Baptist middle-class boy in North Carolina. But they both share this worldview that their vertical relationship with God is the most important. And again, these are kids. So this is something that kids uh, and their, their relationship with their family, of course, is related to that. So abiders have an advantage. Um, they outperform their peers. Uh, they exhibit cooperative and conscientious behaviors. But it's not just better grades. They're able to uh, uh, be self-disciplined. They're able to respect authority but also be self-disciplined. So they're able to see that when the school says something, it isn't automatically true. So that's really important. So I think um, this is research, essentially, Grace, that shows mm-hmm. that kids who, uh, who have a strong belief in God and who have a strong foundation of worldview, 
essentially, they're better able to they're better able to succeed in school, but they're also better able to avoid the noise, avoid mm-hmm. the nasty, bad, gross worldview stuff that they do uh, that they do receive in public schools. Now, yep. as we've said many times before, the best solution is to take your kids out of public schools and put them in private schools or homeschools. Controversial. And, and not, I agree. not just I agree, any private but... school. Most private schools, I I would go so far as to say that most private schools are probably not going to be much better, especially on issues like sex education. Whenever we do speaking events, like me, my dad, or me and you, people yeah. always bring that up as one of the questions at the end because we always do a Q&A of like, well, do you think we should pull our kids from public schools? And usually my answer is like, you know your ch- child best. Yeah. And so I'm not claiming to know your child. But in general, do I think that Christian kids should be in public schools no and all there's always pushback that's why i said controversial but it i do agree with you yeah um maybe we can do a full podcast episode on that moses maybe what's, we can what's the bottom line here with this i think the bottom line is that we need to have a fundamental conversation and even a fundamental rethink about how we treat education mm-hmm. in this country uh, how yep. we think of it as something that um that ultimately schools which in effect means the teachers unions are in control of rather than something that parents have fundamentally chosen to uh, temporarily give their kids to the temporary guardianship of the teachers and administrators of a school. Mm -hmm. The teachers are the boss. Excuse me. (laughs) I said that wrong. Freudian slip. Mm -hmm. Right now, the teachers are the boss. They, they control every aspect of your kids learning day, but the what we need to rethink is that parents should be in charge and that includes even the state education which is provided supposedly for free but actually we all pay for it through tax dollars facts so so that's my fundamental question now or that's I my fundamental have a question for you no no, no i have okay, a question for you, you just say what we're normal what we normally do though so that they get the joke okay well so, so usually, normally normally at the end of these episodes we ask each other what we're reading mm-hmm. uh, which is always fun but today, because there's been a change mm-hmm. in various circumstances, I want to ask Grace, what are you driving? Oh, what am I driving? Well, Moses, I just bought a car. <gasps> Sweet. What? Yeah, so exciting. I mean, I already had a car, but it was junky. It was Let me junky. tell yeah. you. I like threw thousands of dollars at it to keep it running. So I'm selling that. Whoop. And I now have a Volkswagen, a Volkswagen Jetta. Das Auto. Yep. Very fun. <laughs> Moses, what are you driving? And what color is your car? Mine's gray. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny that you should Nervous mention that. laughter. Because I literally also just bought a gray Volkswagen. What? No way. <laughs> <laughs> what year is yours? I bought a 2012 Volkswagen GTI. Epic. Mine's um, 2008, so yours is Supreme. And yours is also... <laughs> Mine is smaller. It's a it's a small, fun, hot hatchback. Yours is also manual in my end. It's my, automatic. Yes, I don't yeah. know how to do manual. Um, Moses does, though. I, I'm a car guy. I just think we've really talked about that on the podcast. And I, I love cars. It's really fun after about four years to be able to get a really fun, like, exciting, what we call an enthusiast car. So um, mm-hmm. I'm super excited about my new GTI. I drove my family around in it last night. We went to a park. And um, Brianna loved it. Aww. She was like, how is this so enjoyable? Why is this so fun? <laughs> I'm like, yes, you're starting to get it. That's and, amazing. And, Moses' um, greatest dream is that his wife will appreciate cars as much as him. <laughs> and, and I wasn't going that fast. But when I when I did Florida a little bit, and I had the windows down, and Mary was like, 
do it again my daughter Aww. so she just loved the she loves the wind in her hair oh so she's so cute we were talking about maybe she's gonna be a kid who would like really likes uh roller coasters and stuff probably yeah uh, i'm not sure they're gonna get this uh anybody riding with you is gonna quite get that same experience because it's a bit more of a standard um mid-sized <laughs> sedan but it's definitely a big step it's up an upgrade from your Civic. i pulled up we we're at lead i had just bought it and i pulled up into a parking lot and moses goes Woo! look at that professional car which yeah. is true it does look a lot more professional than my junkie 2005 honda civic let me tell you yeah, yeah. um so we both taken a step driving. up which is awesome yeah that's what we're driving next week though we will tell you guys what we're reading because i've been reading some really good books lately honestly I, me too i'm so. like mm, i really wanted to talk should about we that talk today. about it right now mm, no we gotta let we gotta make them okay. wait all right because, All right. you know, I think we're already about, we're about like 35 minutes and we like to keep it at about 35 over 40. I feel like it's just too much. So I agree. With don't that. want to bore you guys, yeah. but stay tuned next week. So next week we will tell you what we're reading and also have some really awesome content We're going to be telling you, you guys week. about lead, some struggles Gen Z faces and how to overcome it. So tune in next week to hear more about right. how lead went and about Gen Z. So thank you guys so much for watching or listening to The Family Beacon. We so appreciate you. We love that your numbers are growing. So share this with your friends and family. Hope that they also want to get the facts so that they can stand for truth. Um, and now from Grace Evans and Minnesota and Moses Bradford at Minnesota Family Council. <laughs> from Grace Evans and Minnesota Family Council. <laughs> Just forget myself there because I'm so selfless, right? Okay. Wow. That's all we have for you today. Good night. listening to or watching this episode of the Family Beacon podcast from Minnesota Family Council. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life, family, and religious freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at MN Family Council and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts, stand for truth. Mm-hmm.